Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We talk hoops, we have some great guests, and it's always a lot of fun. Along with Chris Dorch, I'm Kevin Ingram. I am just outside Nashville. Chris is in the Blue Ribbon World Headquarters in Chattanooga. We're, we're, I'm watching on this Zoom call. that This is the way we, we connect to do these podcasts. And behind Chris, I see what appears to be numerous containers with the Bible of college basketball, the Blue Ribbon Yearbook inside. Am I correct? You are correct, sir. Um, they literally just showed up today, um, and we are looking forward to uh, getting them mailed out in people's hands. Uh, we always take pre-orders, and then we start shipping those pre-orders uh, as, as fast as we can. Uh, this year, it was it was challenging. We obviously, with the, the pandemic raging, we weren't sure we were going to publish. A couple of our competitors did not, and I feel badly for them. But August 3rd, I made the decision. Uh, two months later, uh, we were sending the book uh, to the printer. And a month after that, we literally have the books back from the printer, and they're going back out the door. So, yeah, my office looks like Mount Blue Ribbon here. <laughs> uh, there's boxes everywhere. I'm so afraid there's going to be an avalanche uh, while I'm doing this podcast. Well, we'll try to hold them back, and uh, even if there is, it'll be a lot of uh, good information uh, flowing toward the uh, the camera here. Well, practice is getting underway. It's uh, nice to finally see some teams getting back on the court, and one guy who has his team back on the court, and we're going to talk to a little bit later on, is Ben Howen, the uh, head basketball coach of Mississippi State, who was one victory away from hitting the 500 mark for his career as a uh, team that, that's loaded down low. So looking forward to talking to Coach Howen here in just a little bit. Chris, it, it is nice to see teams back on the floor finally. Uh, you know, you feel like you're you're pointing toward the season. We're about three weeks away for what will likely be a season that's going to have some fits and starts, you know there's going to be some some stoppages for some teams, and it's going to be a little bit of a mess at, at some points. But it's fun to at least have something to look forward to and feel like it's almost here this month. Yeah, I, I think the NCAA did a really good job. And, of course, they had the benefit of time. There's no question about it. Basketball, I mean, as opposed to football. But they really sought input uh, from all sorts of different people, including – doctors and epidemiologists and and figured out a way forward they, they made sure the coaches were involved in in the decision making and the conferences were involved as well and I think they figured out the best way to do it but even that having been said it's still been a difficult process for teams that built their schedules had to tear them apart and then had to tear them apart again I got a text from, I won't mention who, uh, a coach of a very good mid-major that was panicking because they couldn't get any games. Uh One of the reasons was nobody wanted to play them. And last I heard, and I hope this has changed, they didn't have a game before December 6th and, and only had 22 scheduled, and the bulk of those were conference games. So I hope that team and that coach got some some good games uh, to play. It's a worthy team, a team I think that could do some damage in the NCAA if they were to get that far. So it's been crazy. I know I've I've talked to a lot of schools that started from scratch and have had to build a little on the fly MTEs at their own place. Uh I know Tennessee's working on one and uh, several other schools are are working on them too. And the, the, the big goal from what I hear from a lot of coaches is just, we don't want to get on a plane early if we can help it. So we're looking for regional matchups where we can bus and 
and be a little safer and control our environment as we travel. Yeah, and I think that's a goal for a lot of teams. And it, from the folks I've talked to, it's just like it's, it changes by the minute. You feel like you have one thing locked down, and then that goes away because somebody decided to pull out and go play in somebody else's MTE. And so, uh, you know, maybe a situation you hadn't even considered is where you're going to end up starting your season. Uh, that's that's some of the conversation I've had with different folks. So uh, there's going to have to be something because the season's supposed to start in three weeks, uh, somewhere around the 25th for, for most everybody. So we're going to have to get some of that coming out pretty soon. You get the feeling the SEC may have something uh, here in the next few days. That's probably going to be the case for a lot of the power conferences, so we'll, we'll keep our eye out for that. Chris, one thing we should mention in the uh, Blue Ribbon yearbook, you guys usually include the schedule, but this time with things being what they are and, and, and you know such a free-for-all and, and changing by the minute, you, you put the website in there so folks, if they want to know where their favorite team is playing, you just click on the website and you can get the most up-to-date inf- date information. That makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah. I mean, Kevin, early on, uh, even back in the spring before I officially decided to publish the book, I just had a feeling that worrying about schedules, some of which had been released, non-conference schedules, was a fool's errand. And I just decided we're not going to be able to have schedules. And sure enough, I mean, even as we speak, Many teams haven't completed their schedules, and yet our book is out. So what we did was we wrote a little bit longer. Uh, we bumped the typeface up, which I think some of our readers, myself included, will appreciate. <laughs> some of our, our, our veteran readers like me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so uh, the book is still 400 pages and two pounds, and I think it may be one of our best books ever. We, we talked to every coach in the country, or, or I should say, 350 head coaches and, and three uh, assistant coaches, which we've never done. Some have eluded us in the past. And I, I think people, coaches really use our book. And and people just, I think coaches looked at it as a sign. Sure. Hey, Blue Ribbon's publishing. There must be a season. There must be something you know, coming. So many up. people say, well, we can't have a season without the Bible of college basketball, which makes us feel good. And it's the reason we do it. So, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. We, we definitely... In our info box at the top where we have, you know, uh, all that all that data, uh, we, we included the school's official website. So you can easily, at a glance, uh, see the website, go there, and try to find out the latest uh, scheduling information. A bit of scheduling we know about as well is the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Those matchups have been announced. They will be played December 8th and 9th. Give you to them, uh, those to you real quick. Uh, North Carolina at Iowa, Illinois at Duke, Syracuse at Rutgers, Ohio State at Notre Dame, Purdue at Miami, Boston College at Minnesota, Penn State at Virginia Tech. That will be the first day. And then the second day has Louisville at Wisconsin, Michigan State at Virginia, Indiana at Florida State, NC State at Michigan, Maryland at Clemson, Georgia Tech at Nebraska, Pittsburgh at Northwestern. There are some juicy matchups uh, in that group. I, I'm oh, all yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah. December 8th and 9th, those are going to be some good ones. Big Ten won the matchups last year, 8-6. to six. ACC overall, since that series started over 20 years ago, has gone 12-6-3. So, man, you look at some of those. Man, those are some some powerful programs that have been excellent. Michigan State against Virginia. I mean, they, they've met in the tournament before, and you, know, you can look at a whole bunch of them that are like that. So that's going to be cool. I'm super fired up about UNC at Iowa. Mm-hmm. UNC, of course, coming off a aberration year. There's no question about that. They were riddled with injuries, including Nicole Anthony. Uh, at Iowa, uh, with Luca Garza, our preseason Blue Ribbon 
college basketball yearbooks, preseason national player of the year. And then, like you said, Michigan State at, at Virginia. Um, I, I think both of those teams are, are perennial powers. The job Tony Bennett has done at, at UVA is incredible. And, of course, Tom Izzo is a Hall of Famer. Uh, no question. Chris, before we get to Coach Howland, uh, a quick preview of what's going on with the Blue Ribbon newsletter. Uh, of course, it comes out every week. Go to blueribbon.substack.com. But what do we have going on this week? Yeah, the Blue Ribbon Report. Uh, we have started a series called Hidden Gems, and we are taking a look at programs that have uh, been very successful but might not be widely known. Uh, that means they're probably going to be a mid-major, not always, but uh, uh, some. And, and we started with Vermont, and the, our, our writer and, and our associate editor, Chris Lee, he, he, he hit the, the jackpot and was able to talk to everybody he wanted to for the story. And he said, Chris, I don't know, man, this thing could be long. And I said, what are we talking about? And he said, oh, I think I could get five or 6,000 words. I said, dude, no problemo. We'll just make <laughs> two parts. So part one appeared in last week's newsletter and part two, uh, of the Vermont story will appear this week. And we're going to do other programs uh, around the country that you've heard of. Maybe you've seen pull an upset or two in the NCAA tournament, but you might not know that much about. So we're taking a deep dive. Speaking of deep dives, uh, the week after that, I'm doing uh, what I think will be the definitive profile on a player that uh, is one of the more popular players in the history of Tennessee basketball, John Fulkerson. Yep. He only halfway through last season lived up to his potential. And I'm going to talk about uh, how an injury was a blessing in disguise for him. And that bad boy is going to be a few thousand words too. So I've talked to eight different people for it. And this is my element, man. You know me. Uh, I like to tell these uh, long uh, magazine length profile stories. I like to talk to a lot of people. And I loves me some hoops. So uh, I'm having fun just crafting this thing. I'm, I'm being kind of stingy about my word count. I'm only <laughs> doing about 500 words a day. Oh, man. And, and they are polished and spit shined <laughs> as I go, and then I move on. Chris, our guest has arrived. He is uh, Mississippi State head coach Ben Howland, who is one victory away from 500 in his career. We are thrilled to have him with us uh, on our podcast. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. How are you? Doing fine. Doing uh, fine. We're doing well. We were just talking in Envy, uh, the backgrounds, which people can't see on our podcast. Uh, they just hear the audio. But uh, your office is cooler than ours. Uh, you've got all that NCAA hardware. I do have a poster from the movie 42 in which I played a sports writer. But <laughs> it's, it's not as cool as all that NCAA stuff, Coach. Uh, great to have you with us. Uh, when I we always talk uh, during the summer for my blue ribbon story, and I I tell everybody I, it's such a joy to speak with you because you're so passionate about the game of basketball, and I, it's like a clinic whenever we talk. I, I learn so much from you, and I thought it was funny as we were talking this year. We, we were talking about Abdul Adu, and and how much of a an increased offensive role he was going to take. And you said, I can see him literally outside my office window. He's taking mm -hmm. shots as we speak, putting up shots by himself. Uh, tell us about him, uh, his evolution, and uh, his role for this team. 
You know, Abdul started playing basketball over in Nigeria when he was 15 years old. You know, most kids in this country start when they're, you know, six, seven, eight years old. They're playing, you know, games uh, and, uh, you know, getting a lot of experience way before they ever turn, you know, 10, 11, or 12. He didn't start playing until he's 15. So the, the game for him, you know, he still had a lot of room to improve. And, and he was so much better offensively now than he's ever been. And the main thing is, He's trying to do more offensive. When we first got him here, he would get an offensive rebound and he would kick it back out automatically. He wouldn't even look to shoot it. It's like, come on, you're, you're right at the basket. Shoot the ball. But, you know, it's just his mentality, or kind of what he'd been doing at the high school level. So he's worked extremely hard. We had a scrimmage on Saturday and uh, he was very effective. Uh, you know, his, his post moves, have gotten better and better. He's become a better free free throw shooter, a better shooter uh, when he's open on the perimeter, you know, 15, 17 feet and in, better passer. And I just love the kid because he's such a great competitor. You know, he's really the heart and soul of our team. He's the undisputed leader of our team. You know, and he's not always super loud, but when he speaks, his teammates listen because they respect him. They respect him for how hard he works. And what he brings every day, his toughness. I mean, there's you know, there's nobody tougher than him, and I can guarantee you. And both he and Tolu Smith went, went through the entire conditioning program from summer to fall. There's no two big guys in the country that are better shaped than they are right now. That, wow. that I promise you. The, we, we've talked about this a lot, too. In fact, I, I remember specifically the last two summers, we talked about how you like to play a traditional four and five man when, even as the game is getting, you know, four out, one in, or even Nate Oates plays five out. Uh, talk about that philosophy and, and how you want to stay and need to stay big in a league like yours. Well, I, I think it's fine to play with four guards and one big. And I think you're seeing that more and more. <clears throat> you know, our personnel has been more fitted and, and I like, you know, frankly, to have a big that has the, the potential to do both that can still, like Reggie last year did a great job playing out on the perimeter and really increased his range with a three-point shot, which I think uh, bodes well for his future in the NBA. But at the end of the day, you know, his bread and butter was still around the basket, scoring in the post, getting to the foul line. Uh, and you, you look at, you know, college basketball, we, you know, we don't have quite the same level of shooters as they do in the NBA. In the NBA, the game is so spaced out because everybody can shoot the three. Those are the 400 best players in the world. Yeah. And we're all, we, every kid wants to be like that. But, uh, you know, it's just a unique, uh, you know, group of, of guys that shoot the ball the way they do at that level. Plus, they have the NBA rules where you can't help as much. It's not the same level sure. of help. That's allowed by the rules in the NBA. But, you know, we're going to play big again this year because we have a kid, Tolu Smith, that sat out last year. And uh, he is uh, very similar to Reggie. Probably doesn't have the same level of range Reggie does on a shot. Reggie got to three. I think eventually uh, Tolu well. But he's very good, uh, you know, around the basket, you know, 15 to 17 feet in, uh, extremely athletic. And when you play big, you know, you're a better rebounding team. We were one of the better rebounding teams in the country last year, as well as our conference. 
And, you know, rebounding is huge. I mean, night in, night out, the team that, that wins the battle of the boards has got a great chance to win the game. And we want to start right there by being physical and, and pounding the glass. We are visiting with Ben Hallen, head coach of Mississippi State, and you, you got plenty of size up front. What do you like about your backcourt, you know, especially DJ Stewart, Iverson, Molinar? They gave you some good work last season. And you have a freshman point guard. What about that group? Yeah, I really like that group. You know, you just named the three guys that will play those two spots. And so we have, you know, I, I mean, three players that I, I really uh, am excited about, starting with DJ. DJ's a redshirt sophomore now. Uh, you know, really came on for us last year as a, as a freshman. Did a great job in the conference. Uh, outstanding defender, but really shoots the ball well. And he's increased, uh, you know, his offensive productivity so far in our practices this year. He's very smart. He's very good in ball screens, an excellent three point shooter. You know, he's got like a 6'11 wingspan at, you know, 6'5 and a half. Uh, really handles the ball well, good decision maker. Uh, he, he's going to be a special player. I think he's a guy that uh, is going to really take a big step this year with his game, along with Iverson Molnar, who, who returns from last year. Iverson played 15 minutes a game as a freshman, he started some games for us early in the year when Nick Weatherspoon wasn't back yet in his suspension, and uh, you know did a good job for us. But he is probably improved as much as any player I've had from a freshman to a sophomore year since Russell Westbrook. Uh, he really has just completely, uh, you know, blown up from last year at this time to where he is now. I expect Iverson's going to have a phenomenal year this year. And for both Iverson and DJ, the key is one thing, just stay healthy. Sure. They stay healthy. They're going to have great years, both of them. And Iverson will play both with the ball uh, as well as off the ball. And he's, he's good at both. Uh, when, when Davon and he are together, Davon will be the point, and he'll be the one to advance the ball up the floor. To Iverson is very good in the open floor, attacking the rim. Uh, and, uh, you know, Davon is a good decision maker. Uh, he's just a freshman, very quick, very athletic, smart player. Uh, I think he's going to get better and better and better. And, and for him, it's been great to have to go against Iverson and DJ every day in practice. That's how you get better, that competition. And I've seen that, you know, throughout my career. When I remember Darren Carlson first came in and he had to go against Jordan Farmer every day and how much that, you know, helped each of them grow as a player. Or Russell Westbrook came in, had to go against Collinson and a Flalo every day and how that made each of them improve, and especially the freshman who's, you know, just for the first time going through it. So uh, those three guys will play those two positions, and uh, I think we're really solid at the one and the two. How's it coming on getting the schedule together? I know everything's been a, been a huge mess, but where do you stand there? You know, I think we're supposed to learn more about our conference schedule this week. Uh, we think we're pretty well set in the non-conference, but again – in this day and age of COVID, <laughs> you have to be ready for, uh, you know, things to be fluid, and you never know. But I think we're pretty much set with our with our schedule, uh, and we should know exactly where we are with the uh, conference here, hopefully this week. 
Coach, uh, when you weren't coaching for a year or so, I, I thought the college game was diminished without your presence. Talk about getting to come back at, at a high level at Mississippi State, and you've really taken the ball, pun intended, and run with it since you've been there. Well, Chris, it's very nice of you to say such nice things about me. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, being out makes you have even a greater appreciation for how blessed we are as coaches and how blessed I am to have been able to stay in basketball my entire life. You know, to, to, I always try to stress to my, my players, find something that you love, that you're passionate about. So when your career's over in basketball, you're going to do what you love to do. It's the only way to live. That's what we're doing, the three of us here today, is we do what we love to do. How many people actually get to say that every day? Sure. And so I feel very blessed and fortunate. And to have the opportunity to go to Mississippi State to, to coach in the SEC, which is it's a phenomenal league. I mean, when you talk about a conference where the fans are super engaged, how much they love college athletics, how much they love each of these institutions, uh, you know, in their respective states. It's incredible. And uh, I feel very blessed. And Mississippi State's had great tradition and history. You know, prior to my arrival, you had Richard Williams and Rick Stansbury, who basically had, between the two of them, a quarter of a century of really good, solid basketball here at Mississippi State, including, you know, a number of NCAA tournament bids and a Final Four with Richard Williams in 1996. So, uh, it's, it's been great. I've been very blessed. In the last year, we had, you know, a really a tough ending to our season. I felt we really had a great chance to do something special in postseason. That was just gut wrenching, uh, you know, for Tyson Carter, who was our senior and not finished this year. He's playing in Greece now. For Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard, who are now in the NBA draft and will both be drafted this year. That was just tough. It was brutal for all of us. But I'm just excited that we have the season. Three weeks from tomorrow, we get to open college basketball. That's exciting. It, it is exciting. I, I, I didn't even think we were going to publish Blue Ribbon, and and I decided August third to do it, and we got it done in two months. And now, like you said, we're three weeks away. One other thing I wanted to ask you before we let you get out: uh, ESPN had an article about the foul rate in the SEC and how it led power conference teams. And I talked to a couple of coaches, and they flat out said there's no two ways about it. The reason for that is that the SEC is a physical league, A, and B, uh, there's a ton of, of athletes who can put it on the floor and, and attack the rim. What do you think about that? I think it's uh, right on the money. I mean, we're the most physical and most athletic league in the country. I think that's been pretty much, you know, true about the SEC for a long time. Incredibly athletic, big, strong, physical players. You know, and you have a lot of coaches that are defensive-oriented in this league that are, you know, tough-minded about getting their teams to really play physical and tough. This league is so good. So many good coaches, mm -hmm. so many good players. And you look at, you know, the breadth and the depth of the conference. Like, for example, you're going to look again here in the upcoming draft. Georgia's going to have a lottery pick. Alabama, you know, Kyra Lewis could be in the lottery. Uh, you're looking at Auburn has a lottery pick. You know, Kentucky's going to have three guys drafted. We're going to have a couple guys drafted. Teams throughout the ten, you know, the entire conference. You know, I mean, Arkansas is going to have a couple kids that will be drafted most likely. I mean, 
you look up and down our conference, there, there's a lot of depth and a lot of really good players. Uh, but it's very physical. I think we're well officiated. You know, I think the pendulum swung back from trying to call every little foul to make it, you know, advantage offense and everything to where now, you know, like the going straight up and down within the restricted area was a great change for our game. All right. I mean, because games, you know, uh, they, they want to see them not drag on longer than, you know, two hours. And uh, that's one of the exciting things about basketball for fans is, you know, you get to be really engaged. It's a two hour window. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're talking about football and baseball, it can be, you know, four hours long and that's hard. Yeah, for you, you talk about you know achieving that balance. Is that hard to do in the game where you want the games to be officiated the way they should be? You want to be able to play hard-nosed defense. You want offense. How hard is it to achieve that balance? You know, I think the officials have an extremely difficult job, and I think they do a good job. You know, they're always going to make mistakes. You have to know going into every game that officials are going to make mistakes, and you know you, you deal with that. Some are, are going against you. Some are for you. At the end of the day, you just can't have mistakes in the last two minutes of a ball game. Uh, that being said, you know, I love it when they let the kids play, let the kids decide. The game should be physical. You know, the game is a game of, uh, you know, great athletes playing as hard as they can. Uh, you know, they have toiled and worked so hard at their craft uh, for the entire non-conference and, and uh, off seasons to get to SEC play. And, uh you know, there, there's a fine line, but I, I think that uh, you let the kids decide the game. Uh, you know, I was in the Big East four years at Pitt. And I loved how they called it back in the day. <laughs> you know, we had Jim Burr and Tim Higgins calling games. I, I'm the kind of coach, I don't want to talk to the officials. I just want to coach my team and let them do their job. And you have guys like that calling the game. Uh, it, it's really, you know, uh, very uh, – fun because you know they know what they're doing and they're going to be fair they're going to be honest and they they do uh, you know the type of officiating that you want as a coach well coach Hallen, we will let you go thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning really appreciate it uh here's to a a safe and healthy season for you guys all the best thank you appreciate it coach thank you take care that was Mississippi State head basketball coach Ben Howland, who, as we mentioned, was one victory away, is one victory away from 500 for his career as we start this year. Bulldogs tied for fourth in the SEC last season at 11-7. and seven. They did have 20 wins overall. Lost three starters, a lot to replace some big guys, Reggie Perry and Robert Woodward. But uh, it sounds like Coach Howland uh, feels like he's got a pretty good squad and really, really strong uh, down low and it seems like they're equipped to play the way he wants to play. They've been able to add a couple transfers, and it seems like he's pretty excited about this uh, team. Yeah, a guy we didn't even talk about is the kid from Alabama, J- Javion Davis. Uh, you know, Coach Oates just let him transfer within the, within the league. Uh, you don't see that very often, and and Coach Oates was really fair about it. He, he said, look, you know, I, I wanted to help all these kids that, were recruited by another coach and they don't fit in this system, but I know they fit in some system. And it turns out that happened to be Ben Holland's system within uh, Nate Oates, own league. Alabama plays Mississippi state twice. And, and, uh, but that was cool. And, and Ben was only too happy to take the kid. He's another six, eight, two fifty ish, you know, and, and, and you heard Ben say he likes to play a couple of bigs, on the floor at the same time and 
and he's got muscle, but you know, he's got guard play too. And, and a really good freshman point who I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to see play. And, and I know he'll, he'll be taught fundamentally as well as he could anywhere in the country under coach Holland. You know, I was thinking about, uh, and we're getting ready to do this interview and have uh, Coach Howland with us. I've crossed paths with him a couple times calling games. Did a game at Mississippi State about three or four years ago. Uh, they played Northwestern State uh, in, a, in a non-conference game, did for SEC Network. But I also did a game when Belmont made the NCAA tournament for the very first time back in 2006. The opponent was UCLA in a 2-15 yep. matchup out in San Diego. And if anybody ever asked me the best team that Belmont has played in the years I've called the games, there is no question about it. Wow. That, U- that UCLA team was definitely the best team uh, we- we've seen uh, as an opponent. They had several guys who played in the NBA. Uh, the was back- Westbrook on that team? Um, I think that was a little bit before Westbrook. Before they, I, Westbrook. I know they had Jordan Farmer and Aaron Aflalo and Luke Richard oh, right. and, and and several other guys who uh, – Hollins, I believe, and, and there were several guys who – Ended up going on to have have pretty nice pro careers, but that team was awesome. Uh, Brian Collins hit a three early in the game to give uh, Belmont the lead. I think we should have taken a picture of the scoreboard because it didn't it didn't go <laughs> that all that was, well after that. That was the end of that. <laughs> that was the end of that. That's right. That yeah. that was a great run for UCLA. People forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they made uh, three straight. That was the first of three consecutive Final Fours, and you know they made it to the championship game and, and lost to Florida in the title game that year. But that team was was super good, and he had some really good teams there. Was really good at Pittsburgh. You know, he he's had an interesting career to me because you, you think about yeah. it, he's he's a guy from out west. I think he grew up in Oregon. Um, you know, he he's coached a lot out west. Uh, he's at uh, Northern Arizona. That was yeah, his first North, head coaching uh-huh. job. Yeah, before he went to it was Pitt. Funny uh, there, uh, they let fly with the three ball. Mm-hmm. And then when he went to Pitt, uh, he played and as befitting, you know, the Steel City, uh, played a blue collar kind of style in the Big East. And then he inherited uh, UCLA and, and where, where you could get five star, as you just said, studs and athletes and and played a little more up tempo. And now he he's adapted yet again at, at Mississippi State where he can get big, strong physical athletes and that's kind of the way they play well chris as we uh, put the wraps on our show this week uh, i want to note the passing uh, of a guy who had a lot of success on the sidelines and was one of the more colorful characters in college basketball especially if you think back to the 80s and that is billy tubbs uh, he had had uh, leukemia and battled that for a few years 85 years old in 31 years as a head coach he won 641 games and went to 12 ncaa tournaments he was really most successful, most known for what he did at Oklahoma, where Billy Ball yeah. got the, the Sooners to eight straight tournaments, four Sweet 16s, took an excellent team to the championship game in 88, the, the game in Kansas City. They lost to uh, Kansas 83-79, but I, I remember that team. And they, and they had Stacey King and Harvey Grant and Mookie Blaylock, among others. That that was one of the best teams, I thought, of the 80s that didn't win the championship. He, he coached at TCU after that. Uh, he had been at Lamar, which was his alma mater, but uh, did want to note the passing of Billy Tubbs. Yeah, I, I remember a, a lot about those two those teams at at Oklahoma. I was I covered the regionals in '88 and saw that team. I think it was in Atlanta, and then in '89, uh, I'll never forget this game as long as I live because it involved my alma mater, uh, 16th seeded ETSU in Vanderbilt playing number one seeded Oklahoma. Uh, Billy Ball sort of uh, was notorious. They would run the <laughs> score up on you. Yeah, and. Uh, Let's just say that Billy didn't he, – he wasn't running a popularity contest, so he didn't care so much what people thought of him. And, and East Tennessee led that game most of the way. And 
you know, I, I, I'll never forget looking up and down press row where there's supposed to be neutral observers yes. and guys just fist pumping and, and high-fiving <laughs> when he's, he's Tennessee. And to this day, uh, Mr. Jennings, the little five-seven point guard that ETSU had, he fouled out of the game on a questionable foul, and ETSU, I think, lost by a point. But that same day, Princeton, as a 16, almost beat Georgetown. Yeah, I remember it. And those were the two closest uh, that we've had to an upset before it actually happened to Virginia uh, against UMBC a couple of years ago. But I'll never forget that team and that day at Vanderbilt. Uh, obviously, they don't play uh, in little – they don't play in arenas like that anymore. No, they don't. No. For regionals. So it, that was a bygone era. But I'll never forget those supposedly neutral sports writers and sportscasters just really fired up to maybe see a, a, a 16 over one upset. ETSU had a really good team. They were coached by Les Robinson, and they almost pulled it off. I remember that. Uh, yeah, that uh, it's been a minute since that happened, but I do you remember that well. You were working in Nashville, weren't you, or were you? Uh, at that time, or were you still in school? Uh, give me 89, is that what you said? 89, yeah. Um, I, I was uh, just getting started in college, I believe. I was either in high school or, or getting started in college back then. Um, That's right, you're yeah, still a puppy. I yeah, I, <laughs> just had a birthday. I didn't feel. I don't feel like much of a puppy. <laughs> you know, I remember that 88 team because uh, the regional we referred to, if I remember right, I think it was in Birmingham, and it was, uh, it was Oklahoma played Louisville, and yep. Kentucky played Villanova. Yeah, that was the regional. I saw uh-huh. the first and second. Oh, okay, round. okay. I want to say Georgia Southern was there gotcha. too. Yeah, and but I remember that team. It was, you know, they had King and Blaylock. It, it was a talented team. Chris, that'll do it for this edition of the uh, Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. Always great. Give the info one more time for folks who might uh, have not had a chance yet to uh, to purchase the book. Absolutely, go to blueribbonyearbook.com. That's blueribbonyearbook.com. We're still taking orders. And uh, if you want to try our, our newsletter, it's uh, blueribbon.substack.com. It comes out once a week uh, or twice a week, once with this podcast, which is free. And you can also get the podcast on Apple and, and Spotify. And then uh, once on Thursday with some, some uh, really good long-form journalism uh, basketball content. So uh, we're proud of our newsletter, just as proud as we are of our yearbook, which is uh, this is our 40th anniversary. That's great stuff. Thanks as always, Chris. Uh, We'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds good, buddy. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This has been the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.